which uh, the scripture this morning is taken from uh, the book of Second Thessalonians, I mean, First Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not bur be a burden. Uh, we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was towards you, believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children. Urging and encouraging you and pleading that you should lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also constantly give thanks to God for this. That when you received the word of God, that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is. God's word, which is also at work in you, believers. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So as I told the 815 crowd, and I'm telling you this morning, uh, while everybody else was watching some sort of sporting event, I'm not really sure what was going on, kidding. Uh, I was at a regional board meeting. Uh, being a part of the regional board is uh, one of the functions that I, I feel very strongly about. In the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, it doesn't elevate me in any way, shape, or form because the way that we function in our structure is the regional board uh, comes together from all over the area of the state of Oklahoma, and we look at ourselves and, as, and ask the question, what can we do to help the Christian Church in Oklahoma find more success in today's growing and weird world of ministry? And it was, a, it was an extremely surreal moment for me. You see, one of the things that's important for you to understand about the Christian Church Disciples of Christ is as we are literally the definition of a grassroots movement in the United States. Formed in the 19th century, shortly after the Constitution and Bill of Rights, our movement paved the way of what we call planting of churches. It was such a strong sentiment that they did not want to look like, sound like, and act like the churches of Europe, that they wanted to be a truly different movement of wholeness for the United States, but for the world. So for us, planting churches was something really deep within our DNA. And so those churches in Kentucky and North Carolina and West, what we know now as West Virginia and Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina, as the movement continued to be created in that area, the idea was, how do we be vessels of Christ in a world that is changing around and through them? So now we're in Oklahoma. And being a part of the regional board, I have the distinct pleasure and privilege and yet responsibility to help find ways of helping congregations with, for my area, is how do they find issues for worship? And that's where the website came from. That's where the publishing house came from. But yesterday was extremely surreal. 
yesterday uh, we deconsecrated the regional office that we call the Oklahoma Disciple Center. It was, for those of you that remember, when you turned in on the 36th Street and you headed towards the big dome, it's the first building that you saw on the right-hand side. It had the weird-looking tops to it. And our regional office has been held there since 1964. When the first Christian church in Oklahoma City decided that they saw the mission and ministry for the Christian church in Oklahoma, that they needed a place and an office in order for them to do the business for the church for Oklahoma. And the first Christian church in Oklahoma, and I mean, first Christian church in Oklahoma City uh, made this deal with the Christian church in Oklahoma that they would lease us the building for 60 years at $1 per year. And they built that building for $150,000. And uh, they borrowed the money from the Board of Church Extension. And the Christian churches in Oklahoma rallied together in a covenantal relationship to build it and continued to maintain and sustain it for these 60 years. And that lease is now done. Now for me, it was surreal. In 1992, as a youth member, I was invited to come to the regional board meeting and they asked me very bluntly, Josh, as a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, youth, young person, where do you see the church today? <laughs> and I had a lot of opinions, a lot of opinions. And they very graciously listened to me and smiled at me and patted me on my head and sent me on my way. And over time, they continued to see the gifts and graces and ministry in me. And the regional board at some point or another and the commission on ministry decided in 1995 that I was going to be one of the youngest licensed ministers in the denomination, not just Oklahoma. And at 18 years old, I stood in that building becoming a licensed minister for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. In that place, we did ministry and work that created the Oklahoma Faith Network that housed the Oklahoma Disciples Foundation, that created places for the Oklahoma Disciples women, the Oklahoma Disciples men, and all of our church camp ministries were birthed and dreamed and visioned inside of that place. But at the end of the day, it was just a building. That same building created and planted churches all over the state of Oklahoma in the name of Jesus Christ in the ways that Paul is encouraging the church in Thessalonica to do. One of those ways is servant leadership. Paul and his colleagues exemplified the heart of servant leadership. They worked tirelessly, he says, along those they wished to impact with the gospel. Their lives were a living testimony of their dedication to the message of Christ. It's in their tireless efforts they demonstrated the essence of leading by example. Refusing to be a burden to those that they were ministering to. This characteristic of servant leadership is at the core of any successful church planting 
team. It requires humility. A willingness to work tirelessly and a, and a genuine love for those whom you aim to serve. It is a reminder that leadership in the church is not about the titles or the positions, but about selfless service and dedication to the cause of Christ. But one cannot have servant leadership alone. One has to recognize and live out the definition of authenticity. The Apostle Paul emphasizes the importance of authenticity in his ministry. He places his motives for the coming to the Thessalonians in full public view, both in witness and in the ways that he walked. Now, for the rest of this sermon, I want to use interchangeably the understanding of what it means to plant a church is much more than planting a congregation. Authenticity in our words and actions is crucial. The world is watching us. And we must live out the message that we preach in a world filled with skepticism and doubt, and authenticity is a powerful tool. When those we minister to see that our lives align with our words, it becomes a compelling testimony to the transforming power of the gospel. Authenticity builds trust and bridges gaps. It invites people to the explore the life-changing message of Christ. But you can't do it without credibility. You might be a servant leader and you might be authentic to the message, but your credibility is everything. It goes back to that phrase, my word is my bond. The team is urging, urging the Thessalonians to live in a way that bears credibility to the God who had claimed them as church planters. We must lead lives that demonstrate the transformative power of the gospel. Our actions should inspire trust and credibility in the hearts of those we serve. Credibility is a precious currency in ministry. When people see that we are genuine, when our lives reflect the love and grace of Christ, it opens hearts and minds to the message that we carry. The surreal part about yesterday for me was is that after we were there to yesterday and we were all surrounded in this room and we are deconsecrating a building. You see, in every religious place, there's a prayer that starts it. A blessing of the building. And then now that that building is no longer being used for what it was blessed, <laughs> it sounds weird, but you pray to bless the next group of people because our ministry has now changed. And as I'm in that room filled with people that saw something in me, that nurtured me, that saw this wonderful, crazy thing that we call the ministry, I was just overwhelmed with a sense of awe at what took place in that moment. You see, 
We don't have to have the building to plant a church. They planted a church within my heart all those years ago, and I didn't know it. They planted the seed in my heart, listening to the voice of God, guiding and directing me to a place that said, this is where you are supposed to be. And I argued, and I didn't listen. And as just as I did in 1992, I gave lots of opinions. And here I am surrounded by them, asking me questions about what ministry is today. My favorite, how's the church in Perry? Are they having fun? It looks like it. And I look at them and I go, I think so. I'm having a blast. They're like, it's such, it's so great. In the same way as I'm listening to them, I'm thinking about what it led to that building. And then I think about our own place, our own congregation, 130 years ago began with a prayer. I believe in that phrase, the proof is in the pudding. 130 years of ministry is creditable, credible to the world. You see a sense of accountability and persistence. You see, credibility is built through consistent Christ-like living, and it paves the way for effective ministry that you have seen and continue to see here. But church planting often requires bivocational commitment. Alexander Campbell, one of our founding members of the movement, started a, a college in on animal husbandry and, and a publishing house as he continued to preach the word of God and passing the phrase, the phrases that we use to this day, no book but the Bible, no creed but Christ, and unity as our polar star, these guiding principles as they started churches all across the country. Trying to find a balance between secular employment and the demands of ministry. You can hear it in Paul's words as he's talking to the church in Thessalonica. As we come closer to this end of this conversation, it's also important to understand the culture that you live in. A church planter must be adept at a cultural exegesis, an understanding, a deep, deep understanding of what its needs are, its worldview is. It's tailoring the message of Christ to resonate within the hearts of those you seek to reach. It's about learning the language, the customs, and the values of the community. It's about empathizing with their struggles and their joys. This deep understanding enables a church planner to communicate the gospel in ways that connect with the people on a personal level, making it relevant to their life. Now here's the final part, church, that I want you to grab from this moment of what it means to lead by example is, is that we cannot, we should not, and will not do things without prayer. The ministry of planting churches, whether it's the physical planting of a church or planting of a church in someone's heart, is incredibly challenging and it requires fervent prayer and support from a network of believers. It seeks the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of fellow believers as you embark on this journey. 
Prayer is the foundation of any successful ministry. It's through prayer that we seek God's guidance, strength, and wisdom. And in the midst of those difficulties, because there are and there will continue to be, prayer provides comfort and direction. Additionally, the support of fellow believers, both spiritually and practically, is invaluable. I could not be standing here today with all of the saints that went on before me. It's interesting that in our effort to not necessarily sound and be European, today is known as All Saints Day, where we remember all of those saints that went on before us, that taught us, that planted the church within us. And I'm completely in awe of all of the the blessings that I have received and the blessings that I see that you have received and heard your own stories of the church planters in your life. About the dedication, the sacrifice, the unwavering commitment to leading by example in the face of adversity. I hope that their example inspires some among us to consider the calling of church ministry, of church planting. I hope that some of us here this morning are seeking to become a church planting congregation. And I'm not talking about just establishing another church. I'm talking about planting the church in people's hearts and minds and souls as we follow in the footsteps of Paul and his faithful colleagues. But as we do so, let us remember that this calling requires a few things. Unwavering faith. Authenticity. A humility that goes beyond our understanding. Persistence. Cultural understanding. And above all, a heart that beats with the love of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.